be seated. I came across a story this week about Christopher Columbus. Um, whatever the history books tell us and, and revised history books tell us about Christopher Columbus, I found this to be an interesting tale. It was that he had once been stranded during his voyages, during his travels in what is now Jamaica, and while there he, he needed supplies in order to move on with his journeys. He lacked those supplies, had no way of getting them. It's not like he could just call somebody up and ask for them at the time. And so he came up with a plan. He knew that there was a lunar eclipse that was about to occur. And so he went to a tribal chief of the natives that lived there, and he told the tribal chief, unless you give me supplies, the God who protects me will punish you, and the moon shall lose its light. And sure enough, the next day when the eclipse darkened the sky, the tribal chief became fearful, gave Columbus the supplies he needed, and he went on with his journeys. Not commendable, but something that happened. Something that some English explorers tried to, tried to reprise, I guess, in the early 1900s in the Sudan. They, they tried to play the same trick on a tribal chief in the Sudan while they were there. They said to him, if you don't follow our orders and do what we say, then vengeance will fall upon you and the moon will lose its light. To which the tribal chief responded, Oh, you mean the lunar eclipse? That doesn't happen until the day after tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, different results. It was true hundreds of years ago in Jamaica. It was true in the Sudan a hundred years ago. And it's true in our world today. People will try to mislead you. They will try to deceive you. They will try to accomplish their own purposes. We've all experienced it, I'm sure, there's not a one of us here who can't say at some point, somebody tried to deceive me. Somebody tried to mislead me. Because they wanted to accomplish something and they didn't feel that the, the truth would be able to accomplish it. So they decided to go about it these other ways. Sometimes these people occupied positions of authority. Sometimes they sounded wise. Sometimes they claimed to be looking after your own well-being when nothing could be further from the truth. Well, it was also true that such occurred in the church 2,000 years ago. And that's the situation to which Paul speaks here in those words that we just read together a moment ago. As he is writing to Titus, and he says in verse 10, There are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers. Note he doesn't say that that there might be this guy or that guy. He says there are many. It is an epidemic, if you will. And frankly, the same is true today. There are many who would say different things about the word of God. Many who would proclaim other gospels than the gospel that is presented to us. There are many who are insubordinate. What, what is 
To be insubordinate is to reject authority, is to not submit to authority. And what should be our authority but the word of God? After it is the only infallible rule for faith and practice. And its primary message is the gospel. The gospel which which Paul speaks of in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received. And this is what it is. This is the gospel. This is it in a nutshell, of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, that's more than 500, and he goes on from there. That is what the gospel is. It is not a thousand other things that people would tell you, but it is that Christ Jesus lived and died and rose again, and we might have new life in him. That is the gospel. That is the weightiest of issues. It is of first importance. And to be insubordinate to the word of God and its gospel message is to be an empty talker. Our words have no weight, no, no substance to them, no gravity. It's kind of, kind of like cotton candy. You know, cotton candy looks so good. It's pretty and bright. It smells good, and and you put it in your mouth, and it it tastes good at first, right? And it's there, and then all of a sudden it just vanishes, and it's gone. There's no nutritional value that's residual from it. There's, there's, There's no filling of your stomach. You're still just as hungry as you were beforehand. There's, there's nothing to it, no substance, and the words of of these insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers are like this. They might sound pretty. They might tickle our ears. But there is no substance to them. They're deceivers putting forth one thing is true when something else is actually true. The most deceptive way to be is, is not to be all out completely false. I mean, the reality is very few of us are going to be deceived by somebody who shows up on a Sunday morning and says, hey, you know what, we should worship Satan. You know, we're, we're not going to fall for that. It's just so ridiculous, so out there. But where we can be, be deceived, where, where often we are deceived, is on those areas that, that are very close to the truth, but with key components changed. When I played basketball in high school, we had a standard inbounds play that we ran all the time. Uh, We'd throw the ball in, everybody go these certain places, and we ran this play probably half the times we threw the ball inbounds. It was this one set play. We we did it all the time. It was very common. There was nothing tricky to it, very straightforward. But we had another play that we ran, 12D was the play. I remember it to this day. 12D was this special play that we ran that was kind of a trick play, and it led to us running this alley-oop pass to, to a guy who had slam-dunked slam the ball, and it was this great play that we ran. And we'd run that play once a game. Once a game we'd run it, 
and it would trick the other team, and it worked almost every time. And you know why it worked? Because it looked exactly like the play we ran all the other times. And everybody went to all the exact same places, did all the exact things, until this one little switch where a guy zigged instead of zagged. And it always worked. It worked because it was very deceptive. It looked just like something else. And that's what we must be most aware of with being deceived about the gospel. You see, we, we might be deceived by things that, that are good things, that are, are nice ideas. They're, they're not necessarily bad things, but they're not the gospel. There's, there's lots of wonderful deeds that we should do as a result of the gospel. There, there are all kinds of kind acts of service that we should do as a result of the gospel, but they are not in and of themselves the gospel. We cannot be saved by those good works. We can, we can do a thousand kind deeds to others. We can do every moralistic thing that we can think of. And we will not be saved because we still fall short of the righteous requirements of a holy God. The gospel is this, that Christ Jesus died for our sins. And anytime we try to add something to the cross of Jesus, anytime we, we try to add something to it, say we need the cross plus this, then we have wandered away from the gospel. And that's what we often do. And that's what happened in Crete as well. You see, he says that, that many of these deceivers are are especially those of the circumcision party. What he's talking about there are, are the Jewish Christians who say that in order to become a Christian, you must first become a Jew. You have to still follow the Jewish laws, and the Jewish regulations, and, and the Jewish rules, and the Jewish practices in order to truly be a Christian, in order to truly be saved. So they're, they're saying that what you need to be saved is the cross of Jesus Christ plus adherence to Jewish regulations. Now, those regulations in and of themselves weren't, weren't bad things. It wasn't saying that you have to take the cross and then you have to go steal some money from somebody. It wasn't saying you need the cross and then you need to go kill somebody. No, I mean, these were mostly good things. But when you say that they are necessary things, then we've gotten into an area of difficulty, an area of problem, an area of, of heresy, really. It could be the same way with us. Now, we don't necessarily worry about having to follow these Jewish rites, but there are other things that different people have in their background, different people have in their practices that, that might be similar to this. Perhaps you believe in order to be a Christian, you must trust in Christ and not go to the movies or not watch a rated R movie. Or you must trust in Christ and not go dancing. Or you must trust in Christ and you must not ever drink alcohol. Or you must trust in Christ and you must... You see, there's all these other things. Whatever you say, you must trust in Christ and dot, 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 we have a problem. Now, that doesn't mean those other things are, are necessarily good or bad things, and they might be good things, they might be bad things. I'm not 
judging those things in and of themselves. And very possibly, you ought not to do certain of those things. But if we say that the gospel is the cross plus something, then we have wandered astray from the truth of the gospel. You see, we we come up with all these other rules that we want to add to the gospel because because these, these rules are easier to follow than the the rules that we're actually bound to follow by Scripture. You see, what does Scripture tell us is required of us? Oh, it's quite simple. Just love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's all. Just that. And that makes us a little uneasy, because you see, I can't do that. I fail at that daily, hourly, perhaps moment by moment. So I'd much rather have some standard that says, I, I can't eat or drink this, or I can't do this action, or I can't do this. Because I can, I can, if I decide, I can meet those standards, and I can feel good about my personal holiness. I can feel good about my self-righteousness. But if I hold that holy standard of God that requires me to love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love my neighbor as myself, all of a sudden I realize I fall miserably, miserably short. And you do too. And so we need a savior. You see, that's one of the things that the law does. The law of God is meant to show us our sin, to show us our need for a savior, to show us the need that we have for Christ Jesus. And so so we need to realize that this is the gospel, that Jesus, though we fall short, though we are in need of a Savior, Jesus is that Savior. And we can have forgiveness in him. This is the solitary gospel. I say solitary because, because it is the only gospel Any other gospel is a false gospel. And it's solitary in the sense that it is that alone that is needed. It is Christ alone. From later on we'll sing the song. In Christ alone. It is to underscore this fact. That it is not Christ plus something else that saves us. It is Christ alone. He says I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me those are the words of Jesus Christ that is not my philosophy that I've come up with those are his words and we would do well to hear him there were many then we heard that that were these empty talkers and there are many today you listen to the radio you turn on your tv you check the internet you read books there are many who proclaim other gospels other other messages that wander away from this truth of the gospel of the cross of Jesus Christ. We need to be keen in our listening. We need to be aware. Are they really preaching the gospel? Are they really proclaiming the truth of the gospel? Are these teachers like Paul, who says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2, he says, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Or are they just moralists with a set of rules saying here's a plan toward ethical improvement or are they perhaps just self-help gurus who like to sprinkle in a couple bible verses so that it seems 
as if it is biblical. You see, it's not enough to just profess that you know Jesus. It's not enough to just say, well, I'm a Christian. Remember that Paul says here, they profess to know God, in verse 16, but they deny him by their works. And Jesus himself says in Matthew 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, it's not enough to just say, I believe in God, as if intellectual assent to his existence somehow earns us something. It's not enough to say, you know, well, I go to church, or I pray, or I read my Bible. All good things, for sure, I commend them to you. But they are not enough to save us. We're not saved by going to church or reading our Bible. What we're saved by is by by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That is how we are saved. Do you trust in Christ alone? That's the question for you this morning. Do you trust in Christ alone? Do you know yourself to be a sinner? Do you know yourself to be a sinner who has violated the righteous requirements of a holy God? Do you know that that is the case? Beyond that, do you know that there is no amount of good works that you could ever conduct in and of yourself that will earn you the favor of God apart from Christ Jesus? There's no number of works that you could use to pay the debt that you owe. You will always fall short. Do you know that? Do you know that Christ Jesus died to pay your debt and on that cross as he hung there and bled and died the wrath of God was poured out upon him instead of you do you know that and do you know that there is nothing you could ever do to add to that payment that he has made that is what you need to know that is what you mean to trust that is what I mean when I say Trust in Christ alone. That is what I mean when I say the solitary gospel. There are people in the world who teach another gospel, perhaps a gospel that deals less with the glory of God and more with personal fulfillment. A gospel that deals less with sin and forgiveness and more with physical comfort and material prosperity. A gospel that deals less with who you must trust and more with what you must do. We'll hear these gospels all around us. If we are not careful, we will be deceived. We will be taken in by them. For we tend to create and believe these false gospels that fall in line with our our ethos, with our cultural tendencies our cultural preferences. That's the way it normally occurs. And there are many in our culture, and we are among them quite often, who are individualistic, who just wish that we could be comfortable, that care only for ourselves, that want prosperity above all things, They just want freedoms that don't want to be bothered. We want to do what we want to do. This is not the gospel. 
and someone who proclaims that Christ exists so that you can have those things is a false teacher. There is a Christian hip-hop artist named Shyland. Don't worry, I'm not going to rap in the pulpit. Or anywhere else for that matter. But, but he has a song called False Teachers. There's, there's a really wonderful line in it. He, he, in this song, is speaking against false teachers, those who would put forth a false gospel. And, and he says in it, he says, I know that some would label me a Pharisee because today the only heresy is saying that there's heresy. You see, that, that's the culture in which we live. The only heresy is saying that there is heresy. And so it is that, that we need to be tolerant of all things, except intolerance, right? But we need to not be fearful. We must speak back against this. We must, in our context, say, no, a false gospel is no gospel at all. We must cling to the truth. Paul says in verse 11, those who, who put forth this gospel must be silenced. Literally says they must be muzzled. There's no room for false gospels. It's because this is so important. Paul says in Galatians 1, he says, if, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before and now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. He is saying, let him be damned to hell. That is what he is saying there. That is what is, that is, what is going to happen to the one who preaches a false gospel, who trusts in a false gospel. We must not just let this be. Rather, we must trust in the cross of Jesus Christ. Not the cross plus, but just the cross. There's a, a tricky part here I just want to touch on very quickly. <clears throat> he speaks of the Cretans and a prophet of their own. He says in verse 12, uh, the prophets of their own uh, was Epimenides. He said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Now Paul, of course, here is speaking in hyperbole. He's not saying that, that there's not a single Cretan who is not a lazy glutton and an evil beast. No, but he's saying that was the, the national culture. That, that is what it was like there. And so it was ripe for false teaching. We live in a world today that is ripe for false teaching. We need to be alert. We need to be aware and we need to follow Paul's admonition here in verse 13 to rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. As Steve mentioned before, remember this, this is following out of Paul saying you need to put in place elders. That's the role of elders. Part of it is to protect the flock from false teachers. And part of it is to make sure that those who are in the flock are not, not following them, whether they be within or without they need to be set on the right path. They need to be directed. We need to rebuke sharply false teachers, not so that we can win the argument, 
not just to put them in their place, but specifically, Paul says, that they may be sound in the faith. You see, that's the goal. That's the goal is that everybody would be sound in the faith, that we would all trust in the true gospel and the the real gospel, the solitary gospel, that we might all know salvation in Christ Jesus because of it. That is what the goal is. I hope that if I ever proclaim something that wanders from that, that the elders of this church would come to me and say, Pete, that was wrong. Last Sunday you said such and such, and that was, that was wrong. That is not biblical. That is, that is contrary to scripture. That is the responsibility of the elders of this church, to do that, to make sure that I'm saying things that are true. I, Sinclair Ferguson tells the story of how in, in a church he preached in in Scotland, the old Scottish pulpits were these giant pulpits that that rose up into the into the rafters almost you had to climb up the stairs to get up into them and he said at this church the sessions sat in the front row the members of sessions sat right in the front row and after you'd preach you'd come down out of the pulpit and one of the members of session would stand up and meet you and shake your hand showing the session's approval of what had just been preached. Hopefully. (laughs) It's a beautiful picture, because that is the job of the session, to make sure that it is truth being proclaimed, the truth of the gospel. Remember this Sudanese tribal chief that we talked about at the beginning of this sermon? What was it that enabled him to keep from being deceived? Was it because he was more spiritual? No. Was it because he was more powerful? No. More morally upstanding? No. Not even that he was more intelligent. What kept him from being deceived was he knew the truth. He knew the truth. And so, too, we must make sure that we know the truth. We must look in the pages of Scripture. We must study God's word, which has been given to us. We must study it together. We sit under preaching. We, we have Bible studies. We have Sunday school classes. We gather together with one another and pray for one another that we might grow in our depth of understanding of God's word and his gospel so that we might know the truth. The truth that when it comes to satisfying a righteous God, we can do nothing that has not already been done for us by Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the solitary gospel. Amen. Our Lord, we thank you for the truth of the gospel. We thank you that you have done all things for us, that you have succeeded where we have failed that you have you have lifted us up out of the muck and the mire that you have given us sight when we were blind that you have opened our stopped ears that you have given life to our hearts of stone what graciousness you have shown us what kindness and steadfast love you have demonstrated Help us to trust in you alone.
In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please rise now and sing with me hymn number 300.